Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well this morning. I wanted to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to read two passages, and then I'm going to share some things. I'm first looking at Revelation 12, Revelation 12, and this is where there's war in heaven. And this is verse 10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Right? And by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. There is nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. And by the word of their testimony. Our words are very important. They have power. Our testimony, what God has done in our lives, and speaking that forth is very powerful. Now I'm going to skip over. And this is the book of James, the very first chapter. This is what it says. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I'm going to do something a little bit different, something I don't normally do, and I'm actually going to explain it a little bit, hopefully. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about myself today, and I will tell you, I don't like, like actually doing that. And there's actually a good reason for that. Many years ago, I actually studied preaching for several years, um, and I still do that occasionally. But one of the things that I learned is we have to be careful when we're speaking about God's word and his principles and when we're teaching or preaching, we have to be careful because there's a very modern idea about constantly telling stories. Now that can be our testimony, right? Our testimony is powerful and stories do matter, but obviously we can overuse them and we don't ever want to be saying something that makes people, including ourselves, focus on us Instead of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, in one of the books I read, it's by Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's a a dated book, but it's very good. One of the best you can get. One of the things he talks about in there is someone, after he had preached his sermon, (laughs) came up and asked him and told him, well, you didn't use any illustrations. I think his point in saying that is, we don't have to have illustrations tell people what God's word says. I think illustrations help. And sometimes personal stories help to illustrate for Jesus used parables, right? But we can overuse those things. And I say all that to say that's one of the reasons I don't like talking about myself. But the word of God tells us that our testimony is powerful and it is powerful. It is powerful. And I just want to share a few things about myself and about my life, just briefly, just for a moment. Because sharing things about ourselves is good. 
It's good for the soul. It's good to encourage other people. It's good sometimes when you've struggled to help other people who might be struggling, right? I've walked with God for a really long time. And I'll tell you, there's been many, many ups and downs. But probably in my mid to late 30s, God started to renew some things he had done in my life previously. He renewed a desire to write and to speak and to preach and to teach and those, and those kinds of things. And later, he actually renewed prayer. And I'll tell you, I went through this process and I actually I wrote a bunch of stuff down. You could call them sermons if you want. I wrote a bunch of stuff down. And primarily, not exclusively, but primarily, it was about repentance and rebellion. Now, I want to point something out. The gospel is also about those things where we repent and come to Jesus Christ, right? God's process is the same throughout the Bible. He calls us to repentance so that he can restore us. So don't misunderstand. God's process involves repentance. We have to repent and come to him. But it is also his process to restore us to himself. That's the message of the gospel. We come to him so that he can restore us. Back to what I was saying, primarily this was about national, primarily national repentance, rebellion, right? There are things that we have to repent of corporately, corporately, as well as individually. And we have these examples that are in the Bible that actually show prophets doing that this national repentance God hears repentance friend he hears it now what do you think when I was done with that and I I wrote a lot of this stuff down do you think you know and this it had been a long time since I had written something so you know I'm sure that it wasn't perfect I have no doubt of that but I also have no doubt that God was inspiring me to do that Nobody really listened. There's a few people that read what I what I wrote down, but nobody really listened. And and one one time I actually was talking to a friend about, you know, so he had read some of it and he basically told me I mean, he was just being frank. The culture really doesn't have ears to hear these kinds of messages. And he was saying that not just about what I wrote, but his own experiences. The culture do not have ears to hear that kind of message. Well, here's the thing, friend. Sometimes the message that is against the culture is exactly what we need to hear. And we can never be in a place where we're going to say, we don't want to hear about bad stuff. We don't want to hear about repentance. We don't want to hear about sin because that's exactly what the Bible talks about. God knows the things we need to deal with both individually and court. He knows those things and he will come and say those things to us. And I'll tell you, for generations, there have been preachers and prophets and speakers who have actually called America to repentance. And we didn't listen. So I'll I'll say, 
One of the best things you can do if God gives you a message and no one really listens is go back to the Bible and see if God listened to the prophets. And you can primarily say, no, they didn't listen. And it makes you wonder, well, why why does God have people do that? Why did God do that at all? He gives opportunity for people to repent. But he also gives them a choice. And when I went through this process, it was not very easy. I spent many, many hours studying, writing, putting stuff down on paper, uh, on a computer. And when I shared it, I mean, there wasn't a lot of psychological reward. But see, that's not why we do things for God. We don't do it for Him. I, I mean, we don't do it for people. We do it for God. And God inspired me to do it. It wasn't perfect. I'll be the first to admit that. But it was powerful. And I mean that in the sense of it was coming from God. It was coming through an imperfect person, but it was coming from God. God's message, and this has been several years ago. This wasn't recent, several years ago. God's message was, hey, wake up, America. You need to repent. And if we do that, individually as well as corporately, what is God? How does he respond? He restores. He restores. God often sends people out to speak, to preach, to say something even to someone individually. Hey, you need to repent. God restores through repentance. He first asked us to come to him and be honest. Be honest about where the country is. And this wasn't last week. This was several years ago. Now, I will say this. I will say this. It's okay when people don't listen. It's okay. They didn't listen to the prophets either. Are you any better than them? Of course not. Of course not. It's okay. You keep moving forward and you keep doing what God's asked you to do. And I'll tell you, in my late 30s into my 40s, God did some radical works in my life and it was wonderful. But I also went through a crisis in my career. I actually, I mean, that went on for many years. And I actually went without employment. And I'm going to tell you, that was a difficult thing. It was a difficult thing leading up to it for many, many years. Very difficult work situation. And then I found myself without a job, without income. And my wife was pregnant. (laughs) You talk about, doesn't look good. Doesn't look like a good situation. But God actually gave me rest during that time. And that went on for about a year, almost to the exact day. Almost to the exact day that went on for a year. And I'm going to tell you, God had been doing some radical things in my life leading up to that spiritually. He completely changed how I look at career and success. He completely changed it. Sometimes God has to take something away to deal with things in your heart. 
And I'll tell you, I don't look at career and success the same. The way God sees those things is different. It's totally different. It's totally different. And God did some radical works in my life. And there are things that will never be the same. After the radical transformation I went through in my late late 30s into my early 40s. There are things that will never be the same. They're not supposed to be the same. God did a radical work in my life. But he did it often through crisis. God does that. He allows us to go through difficulty, trials and tribulations. Remember what I read in James. Trials and tribulations to do a work that is wonderful. A work that cannot be accomplished any other way. But by through a personal crisis. Through struggle, trials and tribulations. And when we come out the other side, we're different. We're not the same person. And that's a good thing. God got rid of the junk. He got rid of stuff you couldn't carry to the other side of where he was taking you. And that's a good thing. And trust me, there's many questions I still have about some of those, many of those experiences. And there's many judgments I had to listen to. And I'm not perfect, friend. We all make mistakes. But the best thing to do is to take all of those things, whether they're mistakes or not, and look to God. What is God saying? What is God doing? What is God teaching me? And trust me, He radically changed my life. And I already knew Him. I had known Him for years. And he showed up in a crisis and changed my life for the better. It's really difficult in the culture in which we live in today to get people to understand that God uses trials and tribulations for our good. It's really hard because it's so against the grain of our, you know, of our humanness, uh, of who we are as human beings and, and no one no one wants to be told, speaking of repentance, no one wants to be told they're doing stuff wrong. I mean, do you know anyone who wants to be told? No. And I'll tell you today, we have a crisis in leadership. And one of the things that God really requires in the day and time in which we live is humility. I want to tell you, some of these experiences I went through, I already thought I was humble. But I learned humility. Trust me, I learned humility. And I believe that if leaders will learn humility, God will do amazing things. But my experience is, and it's my experience, is that we haven't learned those lessons. We haven't learned true humility. We haven't learned the humility of coming together as a body of Jesus Christ. We have all these different sides of the church. Where different things are emphasized. We don't come together. And we certainly aren't humble. We have lots of things to say about other people. Instead of in humility coming together and in love coming together. You really want God to radically, I mean radically change your life. Guess what? He might show up in a crisis. 
because that's what God does sometimes. I'm not saying he always does that, but look at look at what the Bible teaches us. Look at how the prophets suffered, how the disciples suffered, how the early church. Have you ever read the history of the early church, how they suffered, all the things they went through in the martyrdom? And yet we want the message to be everything's wonderful. And by the way, if your life isn't wonderful, then, well, you need to pray more. You need to be more righteous. You need to do more right things or, or whatever the case may be. What a bunch of mess. Give me a break. That doesn't help people. And trust me, there's plenty of people that respond to trials and tribulations, even though the Bible is clear that way. Oh, you're going through a trial, then, you know, there must be something wrong in your life. I'm telling you. Long ago in the past, there are times in my career I had to make a choice. I was either going to compromise my personal principles, which are the principles of the Bible, God's principles, or I was going to suffer in my career. Period. Hands down. I'm telling you. I had to make those choices. Now, I'm not saying that's why I went without employment or anything like that necessarily, but I will tell you I suffered because I said, no, I'm not doing, there's things I'm not going to do. I'm not going to participate in lying and deceit. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. No one's perfect, but we get to make a choice of what we're going to do and how we're going to live. Because I'm going to tell you, one of the biggest problems we have in our culture today is lying, deceit, and slander. Constantly. Where'd that come from? Out of nowhere? Is it just, you know, just the way life is? Sin. When we make choices, especially in the higher places. Because people emulate leaders. This constant lying and deceit. And it becomes a stronghold. Now, God can remove that stronghold. (laughs) Absolutely. God can do anything. But it comes to stronghold. And as Christians, we get to choose. Are we going to do things God's way? Hey, God's way is usually the hard way. That's usually how it is. And if we actually read our Bible and study the history of the church, that's what you find. They suffered That doesn't mean they suffered all the time, but it was part of how things were. But see, God uses suffering. He uses a crisis in your personal life. He will use that and do wonderful things, signs and miracles. And I'm telling you, I have seen some miracles. I have seen, I mean, I've seen wonderful miracles in my life. I've seen God do amazing things. I shared this this morning, and there's many other things I could share to tell you. If you're going through a personal crisis, that is the normal part of the Christian life. I'm telling you, I was going through, I mean, a radical transformation in my life spiritually. God was doing wonderful things, but I was having a personal crisis at the same time. At the same time. That's very hard to rectify in your mind. You're like, well, you know, 
if God is radically changing you in your spiritual life and knowing him and writing and all these different things, whatever he's doing, and then you're having this personal, you're like, wait, that doesn't seem to match up. And that's because in American Christianity, we typically, we don't understand that. We don't understand how God can use a personal crisis to change you into what God needs you to be to help other people. To expand his kingdom. To pray for the nation, which is something that I do. Listen, God called me a long time ago to speak about national things, and to pray for this nation. It's okay. That doesn't make me an arrogant person. It just makes me obedient. Trying to do, not perfect, obedient in the sense of trying to do what God's asked me to do. And it doesn't mean, oh, you missed it. He didn't really ask you to do that. Stop doing it. No, no. Just because thousands of people don't listen to you doesn't mean he didn't ask you to do that. Prayer is one of the most powerful things on the planet. You're there. See, there's no committee. You don't have to go through layers and layers and layers of leadership to get something done. You go directly to the throne of God and you intercede. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, we are allowed to do that. If you're going through a personal crisis, let me encourage you. That is a natural part of the Christian life. It isn't easy. It's hard. And I would get a group of people to help you and support you and pray for you. Absolutely. That makes a huge difference. But don't ever think, well, you know, you're just doing something wrong. People suffer for many reasons. Sometimes it's self-inflicted. Sometimes it might be a personal choice. And sometimes it's because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ on the inside of men because of the principles they live by. And the culture works the opposite way. The world is the opposite, the opposite of the principles of God. So guess what? There's going to be conflict. (laughs) Good and evil. The wheat and the weeds. There's going to be conflict. Whatever God has asked you to do, don't expect everyone else in the world to get on the bandwagon because they probably won't. They might, but they probably won't. God does things in very unique ways sometimes. Things we would never think of. (laughs) Never think of. Never even consider. Hey, I want you to do this. I don't know anything about that. Well, I want you to do it anyway. Okay. God knows what's best and he has your best in mind, but that doesn't mean you won't suffer. It doesn't mean you won't go through trials. It doesn't mean people won't say things about, yeah, it doesn't mean any of that. Keep following him. And if you're in a personal crisis, call on God almighty. He will work through that. He will do amazing things through that. If you allow him to, if you allow him to, he'll do amazing things through that. I wish there wasn't suffering. Don't we all? I wish there weren't personal crises. But I'm telling you, friend, God works through those things to do amazing and wonderful things that cannot, cannot be accomplished any other way. Jesus Christ, our Savior, went to the cross 
and died a horrible death so that we could spend eternity with him. So at some point, we better get comfortable with trials and tribulations as a part of the Christian life. Be encouraged, friend. God is for you. There is always hope in Jesus Christ. But we need to be comfortable with what the Bible has already told us. Have a great and blessed day. Bye-bye.